three, two, one. And we're live. All right. Hey, folks. Today we have a very special guest. Um, our guest has won uh, several awards in the past. The Eni Awards. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that was in 2019. Is also the founder and the create one of the creative minds uh, behind the infamous and coveted Dwarven Forge. Um, and actually, some have some have said in the gaming circles that this uh, this guest of ours has even created and discovered a new element called Dwarvenite. Uh, Mr. Stefan P uh, Pokorny, how are you today, sir? How you doing? It's great to be on the show. I appreciate you coming on to the show. I really do. Um, as we were talking about a little bit beforehand, I've been a fan of uh, Dwarven Forge for a long time, and you know, watching the documentary of the Dwarvenaut really <laughs> solidified uh, my fandom. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. I, I thank you. I, 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 so I'm infamous. You said I'm infamous. <laughs> yes, I mean, at least in my gaming circle, you know, um, you know, every 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 gaming circle, every. Um, even, you know, game store has, you know, we all talk about different things. We talk about the latest comic books. We talk about the latest, you know, movies, you know, whether it's MCU, the D, you know, whatever it may be, we talk about ideas. And it's funny, the game store owner that I go to, so Parker Banner, Kent Wayne in Huntersville, North Carolina, shout out to them. They, you know, the owners of that store they actually kickstarted and they have kickstarted a lot of um, products, but have also supported you all um, through your kickstarters. So, I mean, they have boxes upon boxes upon boxes of sets. And my favorite memory with Dwarven Forge, we had, we did an A, we did, I forget what edition, but it doesn't matter because we played for 15 hours straight dungeon dive. And we were able to use those picnic tables, those, you know, six foot long. Oh. And we put four of them together and we were able to create this epic dungeon crawl all with Dwarven nice. Forge. It was, it nice. was awesome. I mean, we continued the next day. So technically it was a 30 hour dungeon crawl. We probably slept and that's it. And then just ate while we were gaming, you know, typical thing, ate snacks and Right. meals i guess so yeah it was great so yes that's why you are infamous in the gaming circles man i thought it was infamous for my escapades at the bar hey you know what that <laughs> that could be another episode where we talk about bar stories because i have a couple myself <laughs> yeah i shouldn't that's... i shouldn't admit that mom's probably watching <laughs> Well, everyone knows I'm a bit of a bar fly and um, always have been. And I go to these conventions and any free time I have, I, I go, I hit the uh, the convention bar and hang out. Hey, there you go. I go to the parties. There's usually a lot of parties. Cheers to that. Yeah. What, what, what are you drinking? Is that, is that rum and Coke? <laughs> uh, well, I'm drinking Makers right now. So. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't. You're right. This is like a podcast. I can like crack open a, a brewski. Yeah, go for it. If you, you want to, if you want to crack one open, go for I'm it. I'm gonna call my, my girl if I see her. She's in the garden, walking back and forth. Oh, nice patio. Yeah, I no. I'm gonna holler. I'm gonna holler. There you go. That's right. That's a north. That's that's a southern <laughs> word right there, sir. You know, we I've we moved from New York City. I saw that. Yeah. And and, and you know, I'm a city slicker. I hear you. I grew up, you know, in the middle of Manhattan. 
and concrete you know the only wildlife we saw was like rats cockroaches <laughs> yeah you know that's the extent pigeons flying rats you know mm-hmm, and uh and i wanted to get out you know, i've always wanted to get out well actually that's not true when i was younger i loved the city i didn't want to get out i didn't want to get out no <laughs> but i am 53 once i hit the, the the late 40s i started to get tired of the whole thing you know New York changed. New York became not the New York I loved anymore. And I started to think about living somewhere else. And, and I kept visiting my friends, particularly my friend, Peter Atkinson mm. on the West coast, you know, okay. Peter, he, he owns Gen Con. Yeah. Yeah. Former Wizards of the Coast CEO. He, we, we developed a friendship because we kept hanging out in the same bars. Together. <laughs> oh, nice. We kept going to cons, and we were always like the last, the last two standing. You know, he, he's a like me, much of a party animal. So then we ended up, it, it ended up, we started calling each other. Hey, where's the party tonight? You know, and uh, <laughs> you know, so we kept that. That's how our friendship developed over a couple decades. And so I kept coming out to visit him and getting to know his friends. And then he started inviting me to Burning Man. Oh, sweet. And he had a camp in Burning Man. So when I was there, when we first went in the first forays of like, is this a cool thing? Should we go to this thing? And we had like one little camper and we would check it out. Now, now his camp has like 40 people. They build domes and cooking tents. It's a whole big thing. And very few of the original burners are still there the younger the younger people start coming in and us older people start phasing out <laughs> well there it's the passing on of the torch you know it's it's uh yeah. i i've never been i've i've heard i actually have a couple of co-workers that have gone and they love yeah. it and and it's you know for them that is their that's their pilgrimage you know what i mean that's the that's yeah. what where what they do so Especially i want to go one day especially if you come from a background that's very strict, I think, you know, like some mm. people, they come from places in the country or, or family structures that are very uh, strict. And so yeah. for them to go to this sort of back and out of like debauchery is, is really can be a real eye opener, you know, life changing experience. Mm-hmm. I grew up in New York city. So you know, I've seen it all. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, not much of a, you know. My dad, my dad, actually, when he came from Cuba, um, he moved to New York, then moved to Jersey. So he moved to North Bergen because he lived in Spanish Harlem with his uncle and whatnot. Because, you know, usually for like for us Cubans, you send one person out. And then when everything, when you get that settled or get that person settled, the family then comes. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. 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 So it was cool. I mean, I've, I've gone up to the city maybe twice, unfortunately. I, I wish I could have gone a little bit more. Um, but with, you know, ironically, I was planning on going this year, but. Oh, I know. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, it happens. But, you know, <clears throat> you know, speaking about travel and everything, like, and with the whole pandemic, like, that's been such a big, I feel like it's been a big impact, especially within, like, the gaming community, because I'm so used to hosting every two weeks game night. It's our D and D campaign in person, you know, and f- again, talk going back to um, the, the Dwarven Forge set, Zaltar's game room. I've oh, used- you have that one? That's oh, a yeah. good set. 
I love it. I, I've used it not, I've used it as a meeting room for nobles. I've used it as a nobles um, office and like lounge and whatnot. I've used it for so many different ways just because I'm like, well, I'm saving up the cash to actually buy the castle build and the town build build. Cause you know, now that oh, I'm in my, yeah. now that I'm in my permanent house, I can say, cool. Like I have a dedicated gaming space so I can just have it there constantly. So my yeah. friends and I can play. Um, so we are, you know, with that being said, like now we've transitioned into a digital, but like how, I don't, I know you play, I don't know how long, how often you're playing. Are you still playing through a digital format or have you put a hold to that? Yeah, I am now playing a lot of games on Zoom. Okay, cool. We're on Zoom right now, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm playing games on Zoom. I, I set up the dungeons. I set up the terrain mm -hmm. on the table next to me. And, um, and then my girlfriend, Anne, she operates another camera. She uses her, her iPad. Oh, cool. So she walks around with her iPad and she points it where all the miniatures are. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I have the assist assistant. So uh, I'm, I'm there looking at the camera and, and talk, being the DM. Mm -hmm. But then she's pointing the camera at the miniatures. And when they say, I'm going to go to the, down the corridor, she will move the miniatures for That's me. That's cool. That's so really cool. It's, it's very easy for me. Hard for her. <laughs> But easier for me, so we're a good team. And um, baby, when you get a chance, can you grab me a beer? Oh yes, I can. All right, babe. Yeah, I got her. Hey, there you go. Cheers so, to that, my friend. Yeah, I saw I've been doing a lot of live streaming on Zoom. Uh, for instance, I even had Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello, oh, Satine Phoenix, and. TJ Storm and uh, nice. uh, Alyssa. And, you know, we have, um, I had some good, you know, I'm old school. I still play first edition, you know? Yeah, I, rem I remember reading that. Um, well, seeing it in yeah. the, the documentary, but reading it in a couple, of, you know, yeah. when you were interviewed from Vice and whatnot, they mentioned that. I never that. changed. I never, I never, I, I dabbled in second edition for a while, but then... But the but the game you know. was, is so good with first edition. It was made by like, and again, this is my opinion. So I know other people might love it for other reasons, but I love it because when I came into it, again as a you know son of a refugee, like it was like playing Lord of the Rings. It was like playing that cool fantasy game, and playing with all the thoughts and ideas that I had. But it was like war gaming too, and it was my first big introduction to war gaming. So even though like, and I've told this before, like, because of, you know, cultural differences, um, being Cuban, there wasn't a taboo on it, but it was more of like, oh, we heard this from our neighbors who are, you know, um, of a different culture. And they're saying that it's all this stuff. And of course, like my dad thankfully vetted it because he was like, if this is, is this like Lord of the Rings? And I was like, yeah, dad. He was like, oh yeah, keep on, carry on. <laughs> you know and you didn't have like like a catholic church like devil worshiping worry no on actually on the contrary too like my you know being cuban and being raised catholic as well like on the contrary my parents down there they're catholic yeah 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 um like and and the cool thing is like my parents were like no like why 
like Lord of the Rings is an epic, you know, book series and fantasy and, and it's got great lore. And why are we going to complain if you're, if you're reading and, and working with numbers too and role-playing and being with friends and doing all that? They're like, why would we hate that? So, yeah. you know, well, that, 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 that's the normal response. Yeah. You know? we Yeah. And, you know, and unfortunately other people um, didn't agree with that and didn't view that. And I know his, like just, you know, the historics of it is it's kind of, it's crazy deep to get into, but um you know, yeah, it's satanic panic. Yeah. And, you know, I being in the South here, I know that it was a, that we were affected. Were you all affected? Because I know, like you said, no. you grew Yeah. Not at all. I mean, we, I'm from New York City. And yeah, parents that may, you know, it's not that religion is not very saturated over there. Mm-hmm. My, my parents are like, Oh wow, he's staying out of trouble. Yeah, he's exactly. Not out on the street. He's 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 in there. The friends are around the table. They're looking at books. Yeah. Yeah, and then and of course and of course and you might relate to this. My mom would feed them all. Like her love language is food. She would yeah. just cook these meals, and I'm uh, like, oh sweet. Like I mean, yeah. to this to this day, my mom's like, hey, are you guys gaming? Do you want food? And I'm like, yeah, we're gaming. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take some it's, food. It's a social game. It, the game itself is so social. It's a great thing. We need more of that in our society. For sure. You know? This is, uh, I think role-playing games are, are very helpful to our future. I hope they become more and more prevalent. It, it, it could, it's our salvation from us turning into robots and drones. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I love that you bring that up because actually – I'm actually I'm having a guest on another episode of the podcast where um, she and her colleagues are doing research at NYU about tabletop games and how it's positive. So um, I think yeah. it's I think tabletop games. Um, you know, I love D and D. I don't know if you partake in any other uh, tabletop games, but I think that they're actually beneficial to the mind to the you know mind. So cognitively, yeah. it allows you to create more. It allows you. It's going to inspire. You know authors you know world builder it's going to do so much to inspire the next generation so i'm all for it as you can tell oh yeah the world would be a better place if everyone played D &D. and and i like how you said that too because it really it teaches communication conflict resolution but it also teaches like you know empathy empathy we're missing empathy in our culture right now um But, you know, at, talking, speaking about the tabletop gaming industry and whatnot, like, at, from your perspective, how do you see it growing and developing? Like, we have all these different um, technologies. Obviously, you mentioned Zoom. And actually, I, I, I recommend using um, Vorpal Board. It's actually in beta form right now. But with Vorpal Board, you can actually just take your phone instead of having the iPad, and it's all one software, and you can just show it. Well, we can talk more about it later, but... With all oh, this I know all about it. My oh, cool, cool. It. Oh, the, awesome. The, the, the millennials in my office are using, they, <laughs> we do a live stream. We have our own channel. Oh, and nice. So they, they're constantly showing games. Perfect. Office people are playing and they use the Vorpal board. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I, I, I fell in love with it when I used it myself because like yourself, I like the tangible, you know, I like to touch the terrain the minis i like i'm not great at painting but i love i i have i have an obsession with minis and you should give it a try you should you start painting 
No, I, I definitely have. I haven't let my, that's how you get better, right? When you paint more. I mean, yeah, it's all technique. It's not, you don't For have sure. to be, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, it's just a yeah, matter true. of steps. A matter of steps. Dry brushing, you know, patience really is, you need patience. I've noticed that a lot of my friends who, you know, when I, when I paint with them, it's a very relaxing thing. Yeah. It's, it's very, yeah. it just, it gets you to kind of relax and whatnot. But yeah, like where do you see tabletop, the tabletop gaming industry going in the next couple of years? Oh my God. I, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, obviously there we're going virtual. There's a lot of, it's very easy. We, and everyone is now learning mm -hmm. that, Oh God, you know, it was always hard before to get the group together. Yeah. Right. But now yeah. you don't have to. Everyone can sit at their own house. They yeah. can be on the other side of the world and they can get together and play D&D on Zoom, on whatever platform they want. And, mm -hmm. and so there's no excuse now to not, you know, it's easier for the people to get together. So yeah. I think that that's going to maybe even cause an even bigger resurgence in gaming. Yeah, I think it's going to be like, uh, a big it's almost like the we have the renaissance of gaming and now we we're gonna have this it's almost like a That's a super renaissance. <laughs> yeah it really <laughs> is it's like renaissance like times a thousand because technology has been able to um you know people are at home we're we're i don't want to say we're forced at home we are healthy at home if you're you know, if you've been able to be healthy and stay healthy at the house, then that's awesome. You know, but you, this is a great time to like work on a campaign, work on a world. I, I typically, I'm a homebrew guy. I don't know how, I know yeah. your views on homebrew. I, I love homebrews because I can play this game until I'm 90 years old yeah. and you know, nothing, I don't have to rely on anything. The, I, fun, I, the fun is in the creation. Yes. But in your creative juices flow and dream Abs up stuff and dream, make stuff up, be creative. Absolutely. Um, for your homebrew world, what were the things that inspired you and what things continue to inspire you as you create and, and build? Uh, travel, traveling okay. throughout Europe, uh, seeing, you know, the great cities in Rome and Greece and, you know, England seeing these things. My, my parents were both European. Mm -hmm. My mother was Italian. My dad was from Czechoslovakia, Prague. Okay. And so they took me around in the summers when I had, you know, summer, summer break from school, they would take me to Europe. So I saw all these incredible ancient places and that had a real impression on me. And then at the same time, you know, I, I was reading fantasy literature, you know, Conan the Barbarian, Lord of the Rings, these things, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so when I started uh, dreaming up my world, it, it's a very European type of world. Uh, those are the experiences. Pompeii, being the Pompeii, seeing the streets, all the Roman streets and ruins. Mm -hmm, so these mm -hmm. things all became part of my world. And so my world of Mithras, Mithras, I call it, because like myth, yeah, Mithras. And I wanted to be like ancient earth, but 
but with all the legends and things. So I created like a parallel universe. I'm like, you know, there's this theory where there, there's many parallel worlds. Similar yeah, to Earth. like a multiverse. Yeah, so mine is one of those. And then except, you know, it never, we never got into gunpowder or anything. Mm. It remained, it remained in the ancient times. And also magic is real. Yeah. And the gods are real. And so I just kind of altered slightly the names of the gods. And uh, because it's a, not the same universe, but they're similar, got similar inspired by these ancient gods. But, you know, instead of Zeus, I have Thus. Nice. You know, nice. Things like that, you know? And uh, so you kind of get, you kind of know, oh, I get it. That's kind of like that God, but not totally, you know? Yeah. So you can get the flavor. And and my thinking was that, well, first of all, I did it that way because I, I, I love ancient history. Mm-hmm. So I want that in my game. But I don't want to be st- stuck. I don't want it to be a historical game. Yeah. I just want it to be reminiscent reminiscent of that mm-hmm. so that's what i have and then and my hope is that people that would then play in my world world would be inspired to go and learn about the real history you know that i mean that's dope as hell to be honest with you because you know for my world world so the world is a copia that's my homebrew world and we uh very much um in the sense of a multiverse my world is specific of, well, there was a God who destroyed all these things and the pantheon that you have now is it. They're still alive, but there was a huge turmoil. And I personally like to play, I like medieval fantasy, but I highlight underscore bold (laughs) the fantasy part because I love magic. I love the wonder of I can, you know, a wizard can cast, you know, some magic to see and to illuminate the dungeon as you're as you're crawling through for the treasure right there's something awesome about that i you know i'm i was trained as a historian myself so i don't want to you know but it's history's great i love it and that's perfect and it's formed me but there's something to say about a fantasy world where the explanation is magic you want to be more more on the fantastical side exactly 100 percent Uh, my world, you know, just like yours, has not discovered gunpowder. And I'm probably, I'm on the fence about it, um, to be honest, just because I want it to be the classic, like, you know, I'm inspired. And mo- I, I mean, honestly, most people are inspired uh, by Frank Frazetta. And I'm probably pronouncing that horribly. Oh, yeah. But like, that artwork, man, like, that is the type of fantasy, like, it's metal hardcore. I mean... Yeah. I mean, for Pete's sake, I'm wearing my death, yeah. my, 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 my death save shirt. Um, oh, yeah, death saves. Yeah, uh, shout out to Joe. Um, I, I mean, it's one of those things that I, the world of D&D, or if you play Pathfinder or whatever, our, you know, tabletop role-playing game, like, it should be fantasy. It, it should be, yeah, it yeah. should remain That's in the fantasy. Really, you talk about Frazetta. You know, uh, yeah. he was one of the earliest influences for me. You know, I'm I'm a painter. Yeah, so, yeah, I remember and, that. And so when I was 15 years old, painting, painting away, and I would go to Coliseum Books and see all the Conan Barbarian covers, yeah. you know, and be like, oh man, who is this painter? You know, 
Frank Rosetta, and we were all like, we're like, oh man, it's dope, you know, look at this Rosetta paintings, you know, and and uh, you know, heavy metal, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Black Sabbath, so I, 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 Sabbath, my favorite group, and so he he uh, he opened his museum in the Poconos, and I was a fan, so I got mm. a an invite, and so oh, we no drove. Kidding. My mother rented a car, and we drove out. To the Poconos for the opening of the Frank Rosetta Museum. Holy crap, that's yeah, awesome. He was there and the oil paintings were on the wall and I got to see in real life, you know, the some of the greatest paintings he ever did. Blew my mind. I was like, oh man, and he paints like an old master. Well, I was, I was gonna ask what style of, um, as a painter, what style do you prefer? Are you heavily influenced by? Well, I, I have to say that uh, Frizzette is great. Mm -hmm, also, mm -hmm. but I, I was taught more uh, to love also more ancient painters, you know, like okay. Caravaggio, yeah. Velasquez, you know, Rembrandt, you know, the real great giants yeah. of painting, you know, the, the huge murals, you know, or mm -hmm. Michelangelo's ceiling. I mean, these are paintings that I've seen in the flesh, you know, I've yeah. gone throughout Europe and seen them and I've been trained classically to paint like that and um, you know Frazetta you know he has he has emulated that kind of painterly style but all yeah. his paintings are very small you know they're yeah. all like I don't know they're all 20 by 30 or something like that yeah. you know and you know by design because they were going going to be tiny <laughs> Mm -hmm. You're not gonna do a ten foot painting for book cover, paperback book cover. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they the paintings are not very big, but I I was up close looking at them. They're they're really more beautiful in real life, even than they are in the covers. The colors are beautiful. The the painterly. Uh, he's really a master. But what's great? What's even what his greatest strong point, if, if you ask me, is um, the excitement, the mm. compositions, yeah. the tension, the excitement, um, the, the, uh, the subject matter. Mm -hmm. He built his own fantasy world, you know, the, yeah. like this sort of, you know, he created this, this heavy metal sort of thing, you know? It, it almost, I, yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, and not every painter has done that. You know, I mean. Not every painter has created something that immediately makes you have a soundtrack that goes with it in your mind. When I saw Conan the Barbarian, immediately yeah. War Pigs from Black Sabbath just played. Yeah. Just that metal. The action, yeah. The, action, the compositions, and people have copied him endlessly, <clears throat> but he's the original. Sure. He. It had such a feeling of action and these compositions, you know, these snakes and these barbarians coming over mountains of bones and the women are slinking against them. But, you know, also, also some strong women depicted, you know, people are like, Oh, you know, my, my art teacher for, mm -hmm. for his instance, be like, Oh, what are you looking at that trash? You know, look, look at this. It's all sexual. And, uh, you know, Look at these women just clinging on to the leg of the barbarian, you know. And it's true. It's true. Yeah, Some of that sure. stuff is real sexist and shit. 
it's also the times we're talking about when was the 50s 60s 70s yeah. you know yeah back way back you know yeah you know and uh if he was alive today we might paint something different but i think yeah he, he could he yeah also has sure. a lot of, there's a lot of powerful women in his paintings for sure sorcerers and 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 women who they can defend themselves you know they have daggers and knives and they're you know, they're also manipulating some of the men in the you know, as, as mm -hmm. well, you know, and, and okay, they don't have a lot of clothes, but, you know, either do the men, <laughs> all the men are yeah. naked. They don't have any clothes either. You know, he's an artist. And they're and we're, ripped. We're trained <laughs> to love the body. Yeah. We study the body. We study men, women, anatomy. This is what he, it was a love of human humanity, mm. you know, and it's not about, oh, well, you're you're objectifying this woman, you know. No, he's, he loves women. He loved the beauty of the body. Yeah. Like Michelangelo said, you know, they wanted to cover up Michelangelo's paintings all the time. And then he was like, you know, what, how, what barbarian thinks it's a, a sheep's skin is more noble than the actual person? Yeah. You know? And uh, so, you know, I, I got no problem with Frizetta. And, and neither does my girlfriend, you know. She's a real feminist. <laughs> Hey, no, and there's nothing yeah. wrong. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the cool thing yeah. is like, you know, the cool thing about this is that, as you said, the artwork depicted something it had a it, 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 it illuminated and brought something else. It resonated this awesome thing. It you this fantasy world. You yeah, know? for sure, yeah. man. For sure. Like, and 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 that's and that's what i think like art can do music can do that a lot of the creative things um a beautiful song can even do that for some people you, it, it just depends on how you relate to that thing right um but you know i i want to ask you a question kind of go a little bit off track here because i you've had a lot of great success with uh kickstarters and i know that you actually have a kickstarter coming up soon called wildlands do you mind yeah. telling us a little bit about that, please? Oh, man. Uh, uh, it's, uh, well, I don't know. I think it's like our seventh one, seventh, mm. eighth. Yeah, seventh or eighth, I believe. And uh, it's, you know, it's funny because wilderness, outdoor terrain is something that they, early on, everyone told me, oh, don't ever do that. No, one, no one's ever going to want that. <laughs> you, they can get grass mats. You know, you should only do dungeons. That's what you're good at. You're selling dungeons. You know, when I started in, in 1996, when I started mm -hmm. Dwarven Forge, dungeons, you know, of course, we wanted dungeons. That was the main thing we wanted. For sure. And I remember I was like, oh, dungeons, you better just stick to that, you know. But then I went into caverns. Caverns, okay, that wasn't like, no one really warned me. People wanted caverns, okay. Dungeons and caverns, okay, we, we love that, right. Yeah, but then they're like, just stick to that. You don't want to do, and I we used to put little surveys, postcard surveys in the boxes, saying, "Hey, what would you like to see us do?" And they were like, and so the thing people least wanted was uh, accessories. Mm. They were like, "We don't want you to do accessories. Just stick to dungeons. Plenty of accessories we can buy. There's plenty of accessories out there. We don't want you to do." castles or houses houses or castles no good we people already make that you can buy that stuff too uh landscapes 
no, we don't need any of that. People make that stuff. Back then there was a company called Geohex. Okay. You know, Geohex and, and, and some people that had foam, mm-hmm. foam with flocking and all this other kind of stuff. And consistently of the surveys I would get back, I would get them in my mailbox and I, you know, every day there'd be like one <laughs> or every week there'd be a handful and I'd be, oh, they checked the little boxes and, and like, yeah, they, they, none of them want any of this stuff, but I knew they didn't know, really know what they wanted because I knew what yeah. I wanted. Yeah. And once yeah. I made the dungeons, I wanted more. I wanted something else. I wanted castles. So our big risk was we, we, we did, uh, the city city builder Kickstarter. Yeah. Yep. I think that was like our third Kickstarter. Maybe we did dungeons and we did ca- uh, caverns, and then the third one, which I think was shown in the Dwarvenot. Me yes, doing, it was. Yeah. Was the city builder. Yep. And I remember everyone thinking, you know, ah, oh, this is a real risk. I don't know if anyone's gonna want these houses. People, there's plenty of resin resin pre-made houses out there. You know, the people can buy. Why are they, Why are you going to risk this? Mm-hmm. But I said, well, I want to make them modular. Yeah. I want a modular build. There, there's buildings, but they're not modular. And that's my claim to fame. You know, when I came out with modular dungeons, that was the first time. You know, I created that space. Yeah, you, you know? did. You, you no pioneered it. I, I pioneered it. I created it. Now there's copycats everywhere. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. <sighs> I mean, for me... The more, the merrier. For I sure. never wanted to, to be the only one. I never wanted to be like, oh, no, no, I must have a monopoly. Competition's no, good. good. I mean, competition's always good, but you were the first one, dude. Like Competition you... is good for the people. Yeah, exactly. It might not be good for the particular person that invents the shit. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. You know? For sure. But it's good for the people because that creates it allows better things to be made. And me as a gamer, I want to see great things. I, I didn't. Yeah. And as an artist, you know, being an artist that prepared me also for competition because mm-hmm. I was not the only painter in the world. Yeah. I was not the only sculptor in the world. I learned to live with competition and other people. And so when I created the door of forge, I was like, yeah, okay. So there's competition now. So what? I'll just make it better. Mm-hmm. I just keep making the best shit I can make. Yeah. You know, and I don't mind because that's what I want to do anyway. You know? Yeah. You're doing what makes you happy. Me. Yeah. I want to do that. I'm always want to push the envelope. Let's see if they can keep up with me. You know, that was my attitude. So, and you know, they say that, uh, uh, you know, when the water rises, right. The all ships grow up, right. Yeah. You know, the rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. Very so, true. My theory, and still to this day, is uh, if there's much, many alternatives, lots of terrain, what I hope is more people come into the hobby, more people use terrain. They say, oh, you know what? I, I, I can also use terrain. I don't have to just do theater of the mind. I can, I can use terrain. Look mm-hmm. at all these choices. Yeah. And they, I guess I should try this. When maybe they wouldn't if I was True. the only choice. Because now they have so many different options mm-hmm. and so many different styles. Maybe not everyone likes my style. But you know what? I figure also that people get into it and eventually, eventually, even if they don't get into it through buying my stuff, they may ultimately one day buy it or that's, buy some of it. That's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've 
perused your website many a time. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, like if I had endless money, not that I'm going to, you know, I'll save up for it obviously too, but dude, the minis. One day you will. Yeah. One day I will. <laughs> no, exactly. Cause one day the, you'll get the Ferrari of gaming. Well, that's the thing. Like I love what I love about Dwarven Forge and for people that know me that listen to the podcast, like they've heard me talk about my obsession with minis. They've seen my Instagram for Pete's sake that I love minis. I will do almost anything for minis, man. I mean, I, I have no shame when it comes to minis and terrain, but the mod, the, the modularity of your, of Dwarven Forge, that's very unique because for someone like myself, I work, you know, I work my ass off. Um, I work 40, 50, 60 hours. I'm in technology too. So I'm putting out fires and gaming for me is my relaxation. So I don't want to have to, like, I love for, I have mad respect for those people who craft, right. Making, making yeah. terrain out of foam. It's awesome. But for me, it's like, I need something that I can create, you know, a dungeon and then go into a town setting and then you know change the town because my players are now going to another town so i have to think on the fly and say oh shit yeah, yeah. like i gotta move this and do all this stuff so that modularity man is key it saves modularity time. is key it saves so time also also what what is key is the the durability yeah very true Dwarvenite. the durability is key because you're going to play with this thing over and over and over again. You're going to use it and abuse it. You're going to throw it in a basket, in a drawer. You're going to take it out again. Your kids are going to play with it. Your dog might grab a piece. You know, but you're taking it to game stores and good. cons. Yeah. Ten years later, it's still yep. as good as new. Yep. That is key. That is key. Because you don't have to be scared. You, you yeah. don't have to worry about your investment. I yeah. spent a thousand dollars on this terrain, but you know, 10 years later, it's still good. And you know what? It's gone up in value. You it's can sell investment. it for $2,000. It's an investment. And guess what? Not only have you now made money 10 years later, you had 10 years of fun. Yeah. It doesn't get yeah. better than that. You, you know? could, you could pass it on to your kids. Yeah. Like, absolutely. And, and what I love about this is like, and again, this is, you know, my the audience has heard me talk a lot about this so you're you know the fact that i'm able to talk to to the guy who started this is pretty cool like it's it's mind-blowing because it's like oh shit i get to with dwarven forge and with like because i also want to buy your minis too by the way um like they're i said I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of minis i'm sorry they're also dwarvenite oh dude minis yeah you can throw them around you know well, that's, and the, that, the, the, the great that's thing awesome. about the Dwarvenite is that it, it, the paint adheres to it really good. Like with metal miniatures, you paint the metal and, you know, it scrapes off. Yeah, no, you like, know? I mean, I'm holding it right. I'm holding one of my pieces right here. The audience will, they can, they can yeah. think theater of the mind. <laughs> theater of the mind audience. <laughs> but, no, I'm kidding. Look um, at that piece. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I'll post it on Instagram, but... Like the paint job, dude, is like it. It almost seems like it. It became like it. it Hand painted. Yeah, and you can see the quality in that. Yeah. You know, it was crafted by artisans. And you I, know? yeah, I it's love not a how machine. you. This isn't yeah. a machine. This is a person sitting there 
at the table like the way we sit and paint miniatures. There are people there painting it by hand. You're providing. Yeah. You own a piece of that. It's like a fine art object, you know. Yeah, this turned into a freaking commercial, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, dude. No, 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 dude. This is this, I mean, uh, you know. this podcast. The beauty about this podcast, it's kind of, I, you know, what I love about this environment. And again, the audience knows. Like, I'm Cuban, man. I talk. I talk like crazy. This is how it would be if you were at my house drinking a little <laughs> Cuban coffee, hanging around. You know, where's the cigar? Where's the Cuban cigar? Hey, there you <laughs> go. I just, uh, I need to get my hands on some, actually. My humidor is down, to be honest. My vices are, you know, carbs, Cuban cigars, well, cigars in general. I I don't, I don't discriminate with cigars, but. um, What is it? Sancocho or what is it? There's a couple. So there's Romeo and Julieta. That's actually one of my favorites. Um, If you're not a cigar smoker, Romeo and Julieta is great. It's a great. I think I've had that. Yeah. It's a great mild cigar mild to medium cigar that allows you to just mm, it's great flavor actually something that we want that i want to talk about too later on um i kind of want to talk a little bit more about wildlands because i know you cook and i know you cook oh yeah we got off stuff, track. Dude. that's no 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 this is this long is long story track. short it's outdoor terrain we sold a lot of it we just dipped our foot into it you know yeah. in elastic star we just had one one set at the end of our Kickstarter, oh, and here's the set with trees, modular trees. But they loved it. That was one of our hottest sellers. Why wouldn't you though? Like, yeah. it like you get like the stuff out there for like outdoor terrain. Like, dude, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, and like, mom, if you're hearing this, I'm sorry, but I swiped some of my mom's Christmas tree decoration stuff, man, for outdoor terrain, and it just does. It's not the same. It's not yeah, the same. I mean, you can do it, you know, like we all did theater of the mind, you know, for many years and what I did, you know, and I still do it. We have the dungeon is that's when you get down to business with the miniatures, mm-hmm. but getting to the dungeon is all like kind of theater of the mind. And some people, some DMS, you know, might gloss it over. Maybe, oh, okay. This, that might have one, one encounter along the way to get to the real, the real, the dungeon. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But uh, the so big bad evil that, person waiting yeah, the, the with your treasure. Store. There's no big battle or yeah. But now, if you could get the most awesome looking outdoor terrain, and it's not just a battle map where it's just flat and no, it's yeah. very interesting. You know, now you've got cliffs and forests mm-hmm. and paths and rocks or swamps or all kinds of stuff. And if you yep. could see it in front of you. And suddenly it becomes very exciting. Yeah, you said and it. Now though. you want to have a combat there. You, you know? s- yep, you said it though. It's not yeah. flat. It's not flat. Art, it, art is supposed to pop. It's supposed to capture your eye. You know, we yeah. were talking about the human body and whatnot. The human body is meant to capture the eye and the soul of the person is meant to keep that person. It's the same thing with that terrain. Dude, like I would, oh my gosh, like imagine this crazy boss battle, you know, like, the general of the of the of you know the evil army meets you on this battlefield. You can create that battlefield now. Yeah, yeah. And with the stuff that we're coming out with, you're gonna be able to do some awesome, crazy, awesome stuff. I'm excited know? for that. When uh, when does it? When does when do you launch your uh, the the Kickstarter for Wildlands? Um, this is July. 
I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying that. All right, well, don't, don't, well. It's the middle of July. Mi all right, it's folks. Well, I think it's, I think, don't tell anyone. I think it's July 19th. All right, all right, well. You uh, heard it right here. I don't know if the date could change, but that that's the target. It may that's or may not be, date. it may or may not be middle of July. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I heard a bird. I've been bird watching. I heard from a bird. No. Yeah. So, and, and, and. Consequent. Also, I want to say, July 18th, Luke Gygax is oh. doing his annual um, Founders and Legends, oh. you know, uh, live streams, and I will be one of the Dungeon Masters. Oh, nice! And uh, maybe we'll show some of the prototypes. Maybe we'll show some of the terrain huh. in that game that I'll run. And when I have uh, in my game, I will have Peter Atkinson. Oh, sweet. Is, sweet, sweet. Uh, you know, the Gen Con, Peter Atkinson, uh, Alyssa Teague, Satine Phoenix, David Baxter, and Luke Gygax. Nice. Comprising his, uh, his, uh, his thief character, Bingo Shortwick. Oh, nice. <laughs> and so they're, they're going to play my, my campaign again. First edition, correct? Huh? Uh, First which edition. Had, that's what I thought. Okay. First edition. So Luke, I was talking to him just yesterday. I was talking to him. He said, "Well, we because he's a Gygax, right? Of yeah, course, for sure. It's all about first edition of him, right? Mm -hmm. They created the game. So, uh, and I, I love. There's a whole all the Grognards. They all still play first edition. They all there's a whole. It's old school, right? Yeah, so for I'm sure. Old school, and everyone knows I only run. I don't do fifth edition. Yeah. So there'll be two ver there'll be two things. There're going to be some dungeon masters doing fifth edition mm -hmm. and there'll be some dungeon masters doing first edition. I'll be one of two dungeon masters doing first edition. That's I think dope. the other one is Jim Ward. Okay. In 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 the morning and then I will be in the evening first edition. And then I think some of the other dungeon masters are um gosh, I forget. I know TJ Storm, uh, DB. I forgot his name. All right. You're just leaving Miller. us in suspense. Okay. It's it's okay. We yeah. uh, <laughs> five dungeon masters, I believe they're going to be. But I guarantee nice. you that the one with the most terrain is going to be my my game. <laughs> Why not? Why not? You, know, Man, you got to. You got yeah. to. Yeah, I got I got to represent. That's right, man. You gotta <laughs> you gotta come out so, there. Like you got to come out there yeah. with all that terrain and just be like, all right, what now, son? Yeah, we have the terrain cam, so you'll we use miniatures and you're going to actually be able to understand what's going on, because in a lot of these live streams, I find it hard to understand what's going on. You yeah, know, like people are. It may be fun to watch the the celebrities, a lot of these great celebrities acting out these things, but it's it's mm -hmm. always kind of hard to understand what's going on for me. Yeah, I understand. But, so I go through great pains in my game to show people with the terrain cam, this is where they are. And if someone says, I go and I hide behind the pillar, you can see on the terrain cam, we're going to move the miniature behind the pillar so you know where they are. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so yeah. you understand what's going on. So and not I, only can you see all the players acting stuff out, but you can see the miniatures and you understand what's going on. And I appreciate that, man, because as someone from my, I learn best visually. I'm the type of person, you know, when I was at school, 
my teachers had to show me things because I just could not, I, I could read something, but yeah. it wouldn't translate until I saw it. So when, as you as a DM, when you're doing that, that's actually beneficial because it's like, oh, I see how this person, the rogue is sneaking behind the yeah. crate to go yeah. to this, you know, to hide into the, and blend into the shadows. But then It's you helpful see. for the players too, where they, they understand where everyone is. For sure. It's very, yeah. it's very war gamey like too. I, I don't, yeah. you know, I know um, you have. That's where it's from. And I, know, of, yeah. and I was going to ask you about that with wargaming um, and whatnot. What benefits can players who are listening to this, who perhaps have not played first edition, um, what can they learn from wargaming uh, tabletop games? Well, I mean, that's how D&D grew out of is the yeah. wargaming. And it was, it's about combat, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why we have all these graphs and tables. And it was a little bit overdone actually it was a little bit too much most of us had played in the 70s when we first started playing dnd we looked at these charts and we were all young you know we were yeah. all young and we we're like but we weren't war gamers you know mm-hmm. the, the, the people that invented the game in in lake geneva they were war gamers but the rest of us didn't know they didn't care that much about that we yeah. just cared about the fantasy part of it for sure and so that's why i think most dungeon masters who weren't part of that inner circle, they just went with their own rules. They just like, well, well, we'll take this basic stuff, but we're not going to get into the minuscule details of like, you know, oh, this flail does plus two against chainmail. You know, there are all these charts, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that slows the game down so much. They don't yeah. care about that. And what, what happened is Dungeons and Dragons became more of a role-playing game. But that was something they didn't really anticipate in the beginning. They they started to realize people were doing that, and then and then they got into it. But that wasn't really the main thing. Mm-hmm. It was really more war game, you know, oriented and dungeon strategy. That's why you have these dungeons and stuff. So because the dungeon is where you have this strategy of oh, let me poke off my ten foot pole and and yeah. let me it's strategy. And there's less strategy now in these games. You know, mm, I'm back glad. then it was about surviving. Yeah. You know, it was like, I only have five hit points. I just want to make it out of this dungeon alive. You know, yeah. it wasn't about role playing your character as much as it is, as it is now. Now I, so I love all aspects of the game. I love, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I also love the role playing. So I try to include in my games, all of it, all of yeah. it. Yeah. And, and we had this marvelous game with Joe Anginello and his brother and Satine Phoenix. And I, I built on my table an outdoor terrain. There was a forest and a big clearing. And I had 60, 70 orcs that oh. I had painted up. I had a whole army, a, a squad of orcs. With uh, They also had a catapult and a ballista. And there was a, a giant... And, and then they had wargs. Wargs came, came flying out of the forest on either side. And we had, and they were showing this on the terrain cam. And, and I think everyone lost their minds a little bit. They're like, holy cow, look at this, this layout with, you know, 70, 80 miniatures. And Satine started throwing fireballs. Nice. And, and who doesn't dream about having your wizard throw fireballs at an army of orcs yeah and it, and it wasn't theater of the mind we had the miniatures on the table 
And I, I, I just think that that was so old school goodness there. And what I had her do, what I had her do, and she's, she's mostly a fifth edition player. You know, mm-hmm. so she was like, it was blowing her mind a little bit. So she's like, I, I cast fireball on it. Oh, you, you do? Okay, well, according to the spell, you have to just state exactly how far away you want this fireball to explode at. So give me a number and tell me also how high off the ground you want it. So, and, and she's like, well, I can't really see. I can't really see. I said, no, no don't look at the thing. You just give me a number. Yeah. You know, let's, let's see if you can guess. Let's see if you guesstimate it. You know, so I, I tortured her a little bit and see, so she came up with a number, a okay, 100 feet and five feet off the ground, you know, and, and then, so I was prepared. I had, okay, well, we're going to measure it. So I had the rulers came out. Nice. You know, and, yes. and, and, and wrote, One inch is five feet. So let's, let's add up. I took the ruler out and then I had, I had cut out a little round out of paper. I cut out a 30 foot wide round thing and i said oh and then here's the blast radius and then how many feet off the ground five feet okay so i i calculate on that i i folded the globe so it was awesome. and i put it down on there i said okay so and so we calculated it and so she only got like 15 orcs you know in, in the fireball you know she actually did a very good job of that i was i was she, she estimated kind of almost perfectly to her credit she did a very good job guessing, but see, but you only took out, you know, most people might think, oh, fireball gonna take out the whole freaking army, right? But it didn't. Yeah. It took, there were 60, 70 orcs. She took out 15. But yeah. Then she threw a few more. <laughs> 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 then she threw a few more fireballs, and then, uh, and then everybody else started charging, and they decimated, they decimated the orcs. But it was fun. The yeah. battle took like like an hour. You know, and, but it was old school miniature warfare goodness. And that's, know? and that's what I feel. It's recorded. You can see that live stream, you know? Yeah. Oh, cool. Is it on your YouTube channel? It's somewhere. It's living out there somewhere. I forget where, but it, it can be seen. I'll know? definitely post, I'll post a link to your YouTube channel. No problem. So that they, uh, folks can peruse it. I should collect all the live streams I did and put them on. That would be awesome. I mean, again, that would be, I would, (laughs) I usually listen to some sort of D and D content or tabletop gaming content while I work. So that would be fan. I might not work too much if I see a live stream like that, because I like that miniature, you know, combat and whatnot. But it's funny that you mentioned that I think fifth edition uh, misses some of that. We do so much theater of the mind and we do a lot of role play, which not, that's not bad. Oh, role you play. know what? You know hmm? what? Now you just jogged my memory. I think that that, that was, we recorded a game that might have been the game we recorded. We didn't show it anywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I that's like, a game we did for, uh, that's in the vault for, for some, for David Baxter's birthday. Oh, cool. David Baxter's birthday, and we recorded it. We didn't show it anywhere, but I think now we want to show it, so it's going to be shown. Maybe cool. Legion M, Legion M, their company does films, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. production company. They they might show it, maybe oh. at uh, during San Diego Comic Con. That would be sweet. We're going to have a chance. I might run a game for them at San Diego Comic Con, and they might show this game, which they recorded. 
are they going to still have San Diego Comic Con with everything going on? Virtual. Virtual. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So not only do they show that game that wasn't really intended to be seen, but they also show, uh, I'll probably run another game. That's awesome. That's really yeah, cool so, that they're going to do a virtual. Yeah. So, yeah. I haven't even seen the recording. I haven't seen the game. Myself. Hey, well, it'll be a, <laughs> it's no time like the, pre it's no time like the present, as they say, but in this case, no time like a con to see one of the games you were in. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I always, once I run the game, I always like to go and look at it again. For sure. See where I can improve, you know, let to see how it came out. Because mm -hmm. when you're in the heat of the moment, you don't, I always leave, finish the game thinking, oh man, I fucked it up. That was yeah. such a horrible game. I, I got this wrong. I got that wrong. So then I'll crack open a beer and I'll rewatch it. <laughs> and a lot of the time I watch it and you know what? It wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that, man, because I, I think a lot of dungeon masters and game masters think that way. We, we put so much pressure on ourselves to, and I, I, I've seen this a lot with a lot of the dungeon masters and game masters who are now coming into the hobby and they see shows like Critical Role, which, I you know, Critical Role mm -hmm. is, a, is a great show and they compare their game to Critical Role um, and I, I don't like it when people say the Matt Mercer. That's setting the bar high, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and I hate it when people say the Matt Mercer effect. I don't know him personally, but I don't mm. think he would be the type of guy to want people to have that, you know, M Matt well, he's Mercer. He's a real nice guy. And, yeah. and he, he hates that. He doesn't like that. Yeah. And I, I would, and I, I don't want to speak for him, but I feel like he's the type of guy that's like, no, the game that you create and play with your friends is going to be an awesome game. Like don't, you know, do as they say, do you boo boo. Like, <laughs> you know, like you got to do what you want to do. Um, he's a burner. He's a burner too, you know? Yeah. I, I, I've, I, I remember in some of the, uh, like social media posts that he would, well, him and Marisha and whatnot would talk about going, uh, that they're burners. So I hung out with him at, at the last Burning Man. Oh, sweet. I was going to say the community must kind of like still hang out with one another at, at Burning Man and whatnot. That was the first time we, we were oh, okay. surprised. We had both been going. We didn't know that we were going. And oh, that's I don't cool. know him that well, but I'm starting I'm getting to know him more. Lately. Okay. And, uh, and uh, he was like, oh, so if I heard you're going to Burning Man, I, I have a camp there. I'm like, well, I go in with Peter's camp. They're like, oh, we got a hookup. And so I went to their camp and uh, and they did a bicycle. They did this role-playing bicycle trip all over the playa. Oh, and he okay. Had set up actors in different places and scenarios. So we would ride these bikes and go with this group. I don't know if there's 50 of us. Or go to this group, go to this place, and then there would be we were trying to find clues. It was like a game we played. Oh it's damn, pretty, that sounds awesome. Cool. That and sounds then the awesome. Mushrooms kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> right towards the end of that, the mushrooms kicked in and it was yeah. But, nice. Uh, yeah. So Great, so speaking about like, you know, Matt Mercer and a bunch of and, and other celebs and whatnot that are playing D and D and are involved, who do you think throughout your time playing D and D and tabletop has been one of the most influential persons for D and D 
and perhaps whether that person is right now in the in the hobby or that was in the hobby who do i think was the most influential person yeah recently uh recently yes like who do you like matt mercer yeah yeah matt mercer also joe manganello you know uh those are the ones, you know, I would say they were very influential. You know? Yeah. Um, Satine Phoenix. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, you know, if you want to talk about terrain, I, I had a bit of an influence there. <laughs> I, I, I think you had more than a bit, my friend. I, you know, you, you know, Satine, Matt Mercer and Joe, and you really, you, you kind of spearheaded part of the renaissance man and that's where like you know us as players like we thank you for that and thank you for sticking to your guns when it comes to that because like as you know the the table and, with, and let's not forget the grognards you know that's yeah. yeah yeah very true Esther, you know a lot a lot of all the old school people luke igax luke igax he is uh really he's he's carrying the torch luke He's doing yeah. like the founders and legends and, and doing the live streams and he's dabbling in fifth edition. He, he plays in fifth edition. Uh, I do too. You know, I don't fully understand it, but <laughs> <laughs> they let me slide, you know, hey, it, uh, you know what, you, you do what you got to do. You know what I mean? You know, but he's, he's young enough. Luke is young enough that he has, he, he's okay with both worlds. He's not a grognard. They're like, ah, play that. He, he's fine. He's fine mm-hmm. to do Zoom games. and do, So he's, he, obviously, he's from the original game. He's For a sure. guy, right? He grew yeah. up playtesting it with his yeah. dad, right? Uh, but he's also young enough that he is part of the renaissance mm-hmm. gaming, you know? He's almost, it, mm-hmm. it almost seems like he's that bridge, you know? Yeah. He, he's the yeah. bridge between... The, he's the connector, yeah. Yeah, he's like the OG, you know, he's part of the OG yeah. crew, but he's also bringing that OG, you know, yeah. influence to the new generation. Yeah, and he's uh, he's also, you know, people like, like him and me, we don't want the past to be forgotten. For sure. We want the roots, the roots of the game to be remembered and, and you know, uh, there's still, it's always going to be valid. Yeah. First edition is the original way and they can keep coming out with new editions right now around like fifth, but they'll yep. probably be a sixth and a seventh and an eighth every edition. But first will always be first. Yeah. You know, it's always the classic. Yeah, no, that's very true. And, and honestly, that leads perfectly into, you know, one of the last questions where it's like, you know, for the folks listening right now, what, you know, who maybe they're, maybe they're in a creative rut, right? Maybe they're a a game master or a terrain builder or what, you know, and whatever they may be, even just a player, whatever, but perhaps those, you know, folks who are listening, who are maybe in a creative rut or are new to the game and to the hobby, what would you recommend to them to break out of their creative rut? What would you recommend to that new player to say, I don't even know where I'm going or where I should begin? Um, what would you tell them? Wow. Um, I would just say, keep it simple. It doesn't mm. have to be complicated. 
like when we all when we were all like 15 years old and or younger and we just i'm gonna make a world i would encourage them to to throw everything out the window and start from scratch and be like i'm gonna make up a town it's gonna be called you know my town or whatever you know yeah. and just draw a map start with a map size so put a dot on the map and see this is my town and let's see near this i think there'll be a forest so i'm going to draw a couple trees up here that'll be the forest i'm going to call that you know the dark forest you know yeah and then let me see there should be some mountains let me draw some mountains over here we'll call those you know the 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 gray mountains you know and and mm -hmm. that's that's all you need yeah and then say well i'm going to make one dungeon here in this mountain, there's going to be a cave, and that's going to be the cave of woe, and yeah. and then and, and then I was going to make something up. I'm going to build a little dungeon. I'm going to draw a little dungeon, whatever. And you can have so much fun with you and your friends, just filling in the blanks. Mm. And yeah. and just don't you don't need to be perfect. Try not to be. Doesn't it's just about the game is about you and your friends sitting around, goofing around, having fun playing your character out, you know, um, one of the things I feel like with fifth edition, I feel like here's one of my, 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 I love people love fifth edition or I play, I don't care. Everyone, well, every edition is fine. But what I like about first edition, which is different than fifth edition, fifth edition, it takes hours to make your character. You want to make, and you detail this character so much, you know, that like by the time you're finished with this character, you're like, oh my God, he can't die. She can't die. I, I'm so scared of this. And I have this whole backstory and I have everything. And, and the dungeon master maybe feels the same way. Dungeon yeah. master's like, oh my God, I can't. He spent two hours making his character. And I can't have them die with the first arrow shot from this orc, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that would yeah. be tragic. Well, in first edition, you can roll up your character in five minutes. Boom. And you don't have a backstory. You don't have this and you don't have that. It's a very simple character, you know, and we're not worried about it. We're not worried. Make your character simple. Let's bullshit, you know, and mm -hmm. if the character dies on the first encounter, all right, roll up another character in five minutes. Yeah. So we can play loosey-goosey and there's <laughs> yeah. no pressure. Yeah. You don't have the pressure. There shouldn't be any pressure. There's a huge investment with fifth edition character building yeah. where it's like, you know, I have a fifth, I have a couple of fifth edition characters that I'm like, man, I don't want to lose these guys like yes. and gals and, and people like, I don't, I love them too much. But you know, what I think first edition, as you mentioned, brought is, was a holistic approach to it where you grew with your character. If your character survived, awesome. Or I mean, if it didn't survive, okay, no problem. You roll right. one up. But if they develop the character as yes. as you as you survive more and more, yes, you could build the character. Oh my God! This is the third game I played. Now I'm really starting to get an idea what this character is like. Yeah, you know, through play, yep. not not pre-play, but yeah. th organically through the playing. Holistically, organically, that's why yeah. I like first, that's the way I like it. Not so. Another thing, people always say these fifth edition plays, oh, I heard first edition is so dangerous and oh my God. Well, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. Adventuring you know? was dangerous. I mean... <laughs> and, and, and you're going to die. You're going to probably die and 
And guess what? Now you can make another character and maybe try a different class. Yeah, for sure. All right, I played a fighter. Now this time I want to play a magic user. Let's see how that goes. And or or wow, I fell into this pit. Maybe the next game I'm going to buy a ten foot pole and see. <laughs> you know, when you will learn that you would dungeon, die and you would yep. learn from your mistakes and be like, all right, this time I really I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to make sure I buy the right things. I'm going to make sure I do the right things. And so you would learn from your dying and, mm-hmm. and that presses about you. Oh my God, I just want to keep, I just want to be able to make it the second level. That to me was part of the joy of, you didn't expect to live. Yeah. If the dungeon master was doing it right, you'd be like, okay, not everyone's going to live this adventure. Yeah. Maybe 50% will live. And then the others have to roll up a new character. That's how I learned. How to yeah. play, right? And, and so, but it was, it was great because you were scared. You know? Yeah, there was a bit of there was there was, there was a real thrill, worry. Yeah, my my magic user with three hit points. I gotta, I really gotta use my brain to survive. I gotta use this dungeoneer's pack to the extreme and use everything yeah. about it to test traps out because there might yeah. be a trap in the yeah. next five six feet. And there was there was real fear that oh man, I I could die and I could get into a, a fight with an orc and be killed. Now the characters are loaded up with such power. It's yeah. like, you know. They're almost superheroes. In yeah, a sense. right from the get-go, they're superheroes. Yeah. You know, and like, that's not, I, I prefer the old way of like, you are a nobody. You know, you are a nobody. Who, who, who are you? How dare you think you can be an adventurer? Yeah. And let's see if you have what it takes, you know? Because when you make it to that, you know, that 20th yeah. level when you make it to yeah. that ultimate you are you've it almost you've feels like it. yeah you've, you've really earned it. it you know and just making it to second level you're like oh my god i can double my hit points That's <laughs> yeah <laughs> because you you typically played magic casters correct according to some of i know um you've spoken about have, that before you played a lot you prefer magic casters or you like them a little bit more I, no not really i like oh, okay. fighters. I oh okay cool fighters. But I had a character that I played in Peter's Peter's world, and it, it was an illusionist. Cool. Zaltar, and, Zaltar, uh, the keeper of the catacombs, and he was the evil illusionist magic user. <laughs> He's a bad guy, and that's why you have the, the Zaltar's room that's named after my character. That's that. I that's awesome. That's all. Aw- like that. That just kind of made me think. Like wow. Like my terrain pieces are a part of history. Like if you think about it. Um, But Hey, you know what? I really appreciate you um, being on the show. I really do. Um, Folks, for those listening, go check out uh, the wildlands Kickstarter. That will be uh, mid July. We'll just say. Um, And has it July 19th. I don't know. Rumor. Um, And it's maybe (laughs) intuition. Some people might have to roll investigation. They might need to see if this is true on the interwebs. Uh, We don't know. We'll see. And and watch Founders and Legends uh, July 18th. So July 18th, Founders and Legends. Watch the live stream July 19th. You may have prizes. You may be able to win some terrain just by watching. That's awesome. That's That's an even better... You know that that's that makes the deal even sweeter. So yeah. not only are you getting an awesome live stream, but the ability to win prizes. You know, it's like the cherry on that Sunday. 
Um, yeah. but, but sir, I appreciate you coming on to the show. I really do. Um, folks, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow Dwarven Forge on social media. Be sure to um, support the Kickstarter as you can. And as always, folks, keep gaming. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode, folks. If you enjoyed this episode, go and show some love to Dwarven Forge and Stefan by following them on social media, support the Wildlands Kickstarter, and subscribe to the Bearded Nerd Podcast. Until next time, y'all, keep gaming.